Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 217 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Brian Angelo. Double Density is your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, your wish keeps coming true, my friend. We keep getting form submissions from the website. It only took a few years. So I ha- we have a couple this week. We have a couple this week. And you only revealed one to me. It's true. So this is the other one. So it's from Corwin. Okay. Who says, hey, love the show. I currently live in Japan. The biggest reason locals were a bit nervous about the big metal sphere was that it could have been a washed up sea mine. Though in my mind, sea mines are usually all covered in spikes like a sea urchin, which I agree with, but I think that might be um, Super Mario World conditioning in my brain, right? Uh, no, because you, it's actually correct. The uh, sea mines do have little spikes on them so that they right, stick Right, but I'm to... saying my point of reference is Super Mario World here. Yeah, yeah, and but you're, the, the point of reference of Mario World is correct, and, and it's not only because you're wearing a Super Mario shirt today. It is true, yes. I, I got one from the uh, Games Done Quick event. I ordered a shirt. I contributed. Anyways, Corwin goes on, however, I'm not a military historian, so I don't know. Also, if the guy really did kick it, that's a hell of a way to check it. Anyways, keep it up. <laughs> Thank you, Corwin. That was a great message. Angelo, you and I... Um, you know, I don't know how we'd feel about, uh, I've, I've kicked things I probably shouldn't have kicked. I don't know about you. Trash cans. I've jokingly kicked trash cans. In anger? No, just to have fun. I've, I've, you know, I once dove into a uh, pile, a huge pile of trash to make others laugh. Um, at the age of okay. 18, I smelled okay. like garbage juice for the rest of the night. It was not fun. As long as you didn't look back in anger. The... <laughs> Thing with kicking random objects, especially weird ones that wash up on shore, there is a slight danger. Maybe the spikes fell off this mine, and it was a mine, and you would have kicked it, and it would have been a really loud explosion. It would have been, yes. It would have been um, utterly sad to to witness. I'm kind of curious as to why the Japanese government still hasn't said anything about it, but that's just me. It's a buoy. It's a baby buoy? Boba buoy? Oh, is he going to call in? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're doing a call-in show now, Angela. Uh, with our what do we should though we should try to do a, like an hour call-in show via skype or something well i mean we d- wouldn't it would it could be like a, a an asymmetrical call-in show where people could send us mp3s of them talking yes they absolutely and then could. we could we could play the question on the show and for then sure. answer it so that could be something for the future double density podcast at gmail.com if you want to send us mp3s yourself asking questions taunting angelo or and or i uh door is virtually open the virtual door is awaiting your mp3 files we expect uh, though i'm not gonna fall for like a dot exe or a dot dmg file masquerading as an mp3 i know my file extensions also a dot exe file will not open on your mac so that is very correct all i'm yeah. saying is that like you know uh, scammers beware dot zip who's listening a dot dot seven up right dot seven z oh yeah and you can use pk and zip to unzip it <laughs> are you what do you use do you just use the the stock apple one i literally click the thing and it unzips i don't know what what magic apple is using i used to have something called unarchiver i still use my, it you still use it i don't really i don't know a zip files just unzip for me they're fine i have i i tr- technology man does technology as you know, I usually try to run my Mac as stock as possible. So setup is easy whenever I... Uh, and the oftentimes I get a new Mac, which is not often. Although this year I got a new Mac in the last Hashtag six months. humble brag. In the last six months I did get two Macs. But hey, that's a rare occurrence. Let's talk about your, your Mac Studio, Angelo. After last week, you made jokes about it not working well. And then 
suddenly wasn't yeah, it was well. a weird, yeah. weird, a weird uh, audio crash. Audio, a core audio crashed on me. I even checked the console log, and uh, right there, there were two crashes by uh, OneDrive, which does not surprise me. But one crash was the core audio. What the way I noticed is I was watching something and trying to raise the volume, and I would press the little button on my keyboard to raise the volume. And the volume would go up, but only 15 to 20 seconds after I pressed the button. Uh, once I restarted the computer, everything was back to normal. And when I went to check the logs, I saw Core Audio had crashed. Not sure what happened. It seems to have been something to do with Audio Hijack. So we'll see. I'm using it now, Audio Hijack. If it crashes the computer again, well, we'll know there's something up with Audio Hijack. There was a recent update, though. Actually, I had to update it just before we started recording. Oh, I'm glad so you showed maybe. up on time. You even showed up ahead of time, which is not usually the case. So I thank you for that, Angela Fiorentino, well, co-host of the Double Density Podcast. Children could do that to you sometimes. I'm not sure where to take that one, Angelo. They make you late for things. Oh, I see. Okay, yes. I thought they, they were so um, efficient in the way that they live their lives that you were able to, to come down and uh, record quickly. No, no. That's usually not the case. Although my kids, I will say, are relatively decent with getting things done on time i cannot wait to uh when they like i i swear when they enter their teenage rebellion period or whenever they decide to rebel a little bit more i'm gonna be so excited to be a witness to this thanks brian i'll invite you over the second piece of listener feedback is from nick nick says hi brian and angelo how long would you wait before buying a new car knowing that in 2021 2022 there was a major issue with car manufacturers buying counterfeit chips we have been a one-car family by choice for several years, but my wife's job as a realtor requires a little bit of driving, and we're looking to get a striking car soon. P.S. In the future, all human communication will take place over contact forms, and also Nick sent over a LinkedIn post all about this. Angelo, you are more of a car man than I am. I have thoughts about this, but I want to hear you too. From what I understand, car manufacturers are starting to catch up because the chip shortage is more or less past the worst of it you can actually tell by seeing that you can now go walk into a store and buy a ps5 or an xbox series x without much issue things are looking up in terms of chips remember when everyone was trying to buy graphics cards so they could mine crypto also at the same time that was not helping things either definitely i know we're talking about chip shortages but just kind of interrelated about yeah but it is I think that was part of the reason why PS5s and Xboxes were in short supply as well. There were the chips and the graphics cards. For cars, it was also a major issue, right? There were cars sitting in uh, car lots that were seemingly ready to go, but there were chips missing in them. Teslas were going out without USB plugs, so just an empty shell of a USB, which is not helpful, especially in a car like a Tesla. I think that's gotten a lot better. There was so so as Nick says, twenty one, twenty two cars were in short supply. It's getting better. I found an article on cars.com that talks about how there are actually cars on lots now. You gotta and love a top level demand that is exactly what it is, right? It's very rare these days to see that anymore. I know, right? Because if, if you go to doubledensity.net, you're gonna expect the whole thing about old floppy disks, but that's correct, except get. it's old floppy men. Wait, yes. no, that sounds wrong. Let's say Old, aging fellow gamers. Okay, sure. Fellow kids. Um, but you had to come back to talk about, you know, uh, chip shortages, yes. It's getting easier to buy a car. I don't think there were many issues with cars having 
bad chips in them from what I've heard, but it's all anecdotal, right? It's not something I followed, but I didn't hear anything about this. This is actually the first I hear about car manufacturers using counterfeit chips. Now, counterfeit chips have used, been used in lots of stuff, right? I'm sure when you go to the uh, corner store and buy one of those uh, uh, like 300 game game consoles to plug into your TV, there are some uh, funky chips in there probably. For sure, there are some uh, questionable decisions being made. Uh, you know, if you buy one of those consoles and you have like a, a second lag, I've seen that happen with uh, some of the the lesser quality counterfeit gaming consoles, right? So it's just, uh, you know, you kind of question what you got there. Yeah, if you're buying it at the dollar store, chances are uh, the electronics they sell there are not the highest quality. That is very correct. And if you can, uh, if the box doesn't know how to advertise itself... Uh, that is another issue. I've seen so much packaging that makes no sense. I think the bigger issue, um, I'll come back to to the state of cars in a sec, but I think the bigger issue too is right now is inflation, right? Especially in North America. Um, the price of new cars has gone up 4% in the last year. So from January 2022 to January 2023. And now they will f- decline eventually, but right now is not the prime time to buy a car, in my opinion. So as a financial advisor, you're telling Nick that it's less the chips and more the cost of the cars. Well, I mean, the the surplus that you're repaying on the Definitely. cost of the car right now before it declines, and it will decline. Uh, the other thing, too, is um, very interesting on the used car side of things that, like, I've, I've heard multiple people complain that the cost of uh, used cars pre-pandemic and right now have gone up, gosh, like 25 30%. I remember when I uh, my car needed some substantial um, maintenance last year, and I mean not tens of thousands of dollars of, uh, of maintenance, but I think I paid almost two thousand dollars to fix a few things. But I remember they told me at the at the at the garage, it's totally worth it because my car is worth a lot of money despite it being nine years old. It's almost all that offering you do, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's what the Subaru Outback is for, off-roading, but with the <laughs> it family. Is, it is truly, yes. It, and you don't take advantage of that. You don't, um, you know, uh, get into any AmeriCorps-style antics. Well, I did take advantage of it on Tuesday of this week where we had a huge snowstorm. We decided to go see Ant-Man at the movie theater, which is about a 25-minute drive. It took almost an hour to get back taking side roads and not the highways because the highway was so backed up. And the roads were not plowed, but my four-wheel drive really helped. Did you hit any of those jumps? Did you do a wheelie with your Outback? I went on two wheels at one point. <laughs> so here's my larger problem, right? And uh, and th- this may be a huge problem for me because I have a 10-year-old um, Corolla that works quite well. I'm very happy with it. Uh, but my next car, I'm going to be stuck with entering into a situation where I'm ne- going to need to figure out which lesser evil option in terms of the Internet of Things adjacent world I want to enter, right? Because... Electronics and cars is an inevitability, right? It's just a question of like which poison will I have to pick when the time comes for a new car. That's one thing I like about my cars. That well, it's it's both good and bad in that now because the Bluetooth in the car is so old, our newer iPhones have a little bit of trouble with it. But there's no real big sort of operating system in my car. It's just the old Subaru. There's uh, the, the the dealership kind of like. Sp- gave it as a selling point and that there's not that many bells and whistles whistles that'll break. But going back to Nick's question, though, I think you'll be fine to buy a car now, although I'm not an expert. I'm, I'm one to wait with cars. I, keep, I mean, I keep my cars that I've bought. I've only bought 
two cars in my life. And one I kept for eight years. And the only reason we changed it was because we had a second child. And uh, a Honda Civic with two children gets sort of tight, especially if you're going on I never realized you had a trips. Honda Civic. So uh, the Italian stereotype of a man owning a Honda Civic is, is true here in this instance. Alive and well. From 2006 to 2014, I had a, a Honda Civic. Did you go, you didn't now, go to the club with it, did you? Sometimes. No, um, I used my golf for that. Although I see I had a golf before that, but it was not a, a bot car, at least at the time. All right. Uh, Angela, kind of, kind of related. Have you, have you seen any of these Carvana um, displays? I don't know what you're talking about. Really? Okay. So in the States, there are car vending machines by Carvana that you can go buy a car from. From a vending machine? Yeah. A gigantic vending machine. So is this your advice to Nick? Go to a g- yeah, go to a Carvana, pay, pay, um, you know, a surplus. So, uh, oh, well, now I want to throw out Nick a question, though, is what car is he going to get now that he's probably going to have to get one? Is he going to get a small electric car? Uh, going to go all out and get a, a Rivian, a big old pickup truck that's electric? Who knows? We'd like to know. What yeah, let us now use the, uh, use the form again. Yeah, the contact form. It's taking over. Are you going to buy a car via contact form? Oh, good question. Or are you going to go to a vending machine? Double density. Angela, speaking of cars, uh, Cory Doctorow seems to just be stalking my timeline on Twitter. I do not follow him. Yet, every couple of days, uh, one of his tweets or one of his tweet threads appears before me. And this time, uh, I was very interested in this because it's kind of related to Nick's question. Uh, and it's kind of related to my gripes about the Internet of Things. So, <sighs> there were some mass car thieves in Lake County, Illinois, who stole a Volkswagen SUV, and there's a kid behind it, and their subcontractors would not release the tracking info that they had to the police in order to get the child safe. This is a bad look for VW. In this case, the person opted out of paying for this tracking, which, totally fine. The $150 a year tracking, which is in the car still. Yeah, it, it's like an unlock to to use thing, right? The, the, the hardware is there, but you have to unlock the software. And it's like unlocking the dlc on on a game disc right that's already in there that's yeah this is slightly more frustrating in that your kid is in the car (laughs) but the kid was in the back seat the thieves took off with it and the vw representative refused to do this apparently if you go down his tweet thread the anonymous source said that this was against company policy and that they were supposed to release the information in this type right. of situation. Well, it's also because they're subcontractors, right? So subcontractors work on the $150 a year um, uh, location surveillance fee, right? And so VW has plausible deniability in these, in these moments. Yeah, it's a, sort of like not my job, not my problem type of deal. Even though it is all of our problems. Exactly. My car does not have any tracking of any kind unless my phone gets forgotten in it. I do like the idea that you, you would never... Have you forgotten your phone in the car ever? Yeah. I, I, the other day, I forgot it in my car. I'm very uh, conscious I, I, of that. I always have it on me. I think it's also because I'm obsessed with the pedometer on my phone. Okay. I have a watch for that. Oh, I see. Yeah. So I was just but, like it steps in. No, I, I left it in the, the thing. Uh, luckily, it, it's not a far walk to my car, although I don't have a garage, so my car is out in our driveway. So if somebody's walking by and they see a phone there, they may steal it, although that doesn't really happen. I was going to say, often. you don't get a lot of foot traffic where you are, right? So I think it's a much larger deal in my part of the world than yours. Yeah, the only foot traffic here is the people that live here, and they're not just going to start swiping things. Although there, there have been thefts in the past in the neighborhood, right? Like those rascally teenagers go around. Are you blaming the youth? Is it, was it confirmed youth? Likely 
probably who That's knows? That's an ageist take on things. Interesting. Yeah, Juvenoia. <laughs> Why does that? This just adds to your um, to the myth of Angela being a cranky old man. You realize that, though, yeah, right? No, that you're blaming I'm, teens I'm kidding, for. Though. Are you though? I don't know. I the assumption is it's probably twenty something year olds, right, going around selling this for for money to buy whatever they buy, right? They go buy music discs or something, right? Rock <laughs> rock and roll music to listen yeah, to. Of course, of course. The, the rap. The music of the day, right? Yeah. All of the Dolly Parton uh, compilations. That, heart, that's that satanic that. hard rock. Satanic hard rock. Interesting. You didn't even say metal. Yeah. It's so funny when you listen back to quote unquote heavy metal from the 80s and now uh, music my daughter calls Brian screaming music. Compared to that, Heavy metal of the 80s sounds like Barry Manilow. I definitely do agree. I think a lot of... Uh, well, I mean, it, it also comes down to production, right? And uh, vocal stylings. Yeah, my, my daughter was asking me to send her links to the music you listen to. And uh, I sent her the link to that Nita Strauss song we listened to where um, Alicia something... Yeah, Glows White Man from, uh, from Arch Enemy was on, yeah. Yeah, uh, because she found that interesting. Especially the the dichotomy of that of her voice, how it could be so beautiful and other times terrifying. You should send her a, a band called A Day to Remember because I feel like she'd be interested in the the sounds of pop punk mixed with a little bit of screaming. So that is a, a a hot tip um, to get your daughter further and further down the path of great music. Well, we were when we were in the car. Every time we were in the car for a few weeks, Maniskin kept playing, and it's like maybe this is fun. But uh, I looked at the album. It's really not for a, a young child to listen to. She's not, I mean, a teenager, not a child. Yeah, I get it. Oh, she's like 13. In, uh, less than, in less than a month, she's 14. So, and what's wrong with, I'm curious, like, what is, what is so objectionable in the lyrics? I don't know. They're a little, they're a little explicit. <laughs> I would get in trouble for letting her listen to that from management here. Interesting. Despite the fact that she probably hears it at school all day long. Oh, she hears much, much worse. She, she really, really wants to watch Deadpool, and um, her parents won't allow it. You need to call a family meeting right there. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Invite Ryan, uh, invite Ryan Reynolds while you're at it. Yeah, he'd, he'd probably convince my wife to let her watch it. <laughs> One last thing here on the uh, tech docket for episode 217. I sent you an hour-long um, documentary. All about Star Fox. Star Fox just turned 30, and I thought this is a really, really good documentary. Has some of the developers that developed the first Star, uh, Star Fox game and the second, the sequel. Uh, I thought it was really interesting. I didn't know about the origins of Star Fox at all, all too much. Um, I didn't know that it was British-led, and I did you not didn't know. You didn't know that? I did not know that, no. Huh, Dylan Cuthbert. It's kind, of, it's kind of famous how the Argonaut people were so young. They were like children, and <laughs> they went to Japan, and none of them knew who Miyamoto was. Well, that, that is also mentioned in the documentary. There's a hilarious picture, right? Yeah, the, the, and, and that's what reminded me of it. But it's kind of cool to see Dylan, Dylan Cuthbert now. And, I mean, he's, he's what? He's probably in his 40s, early 50s? I'd probably say and, early 50s, yeah. Yeah, and still doing well. It's incredible what Argonaut was able to do with such limited hardware. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, well, I mean, they were also given the chance to develop the Super FX chip, too, which I thought was a little interesting. Because Nintendo's kind of um, historically, well, especially 
caveat there, like the video game years. I'm not talking about the 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 card game years here, but they've been very very um, insular in the way that they've treated hardware, right? And even a chip to bring things back to talk about chips, even the chip inside of cartridges, they've been very particular about, right? Remember, uh, they faked a chip shortage in the 80s in order to make sure that licensees can only produce a certain number of uh, video games for the NES. Well, they didn't fake the chip shortage. There was well, they, a chip they shortage. They took, from- yes, they took advantage of it. Definitely. They definitely took advantage of it to make it seem like games are harder to come by. And we live at a time where if you want to get a game, you literally just press a button and you get the game. But remember when you had to go to the store and hope they had it in stock? Of course. I I do not miss those days at all. Or I also miss the store? load times. Yeah, I also don't miss the load times of having to put in a disc. Those from I'd say like 1997 to even 2019, playing games on disc sort of sucked because of the load times. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of a... So I just read a book about the first four Mortal Kombat games by David Craddock. And uh, oh. it is super interesting because they talk about how uh, during... In the PlayStation version of... I think it was it was Ultimate MK3. Um, there was some like buffering time whenever Chang Sun transformed into a character, which I thought super interesting. What's the title of this book? Because it sounds like something I'd like to read. It's called Long Live Mortal Kombat Round 1. So he's planning on, on developing several of these books. Um, so the first one is concentrated on Mortal Kombat 1 through 4. Yeah, and then he'll probably do the uh, the years where Mortal Kombat sort of lost its way. Yeah, and I'm excited how it that. came back with Mortal Kombat 9, where they do that really well, how they kind of mix it up with the characters when you're playing through the story, so you kind of get a chance to play with everybody, and then you could do the regular Mortal Kombat thing. I had uh, Mortal Kombat 11 was part of PS Plus, and I played through the story mode. It was really fun. Yeah. It looks like a lot of fun. I love the DLC. I love all the different characters that you can go be if you wanted to be. Yeah, you um, be someone Robocop different from or... you know the standard fare. Yeah, the, the Arnold's in it. It's true. Robocop. I've seen. I've seen everyone. I've seen uh, Freddy Predator. You know, I've seen all kinds of men and women in there. Also, the funny, the funniest thing to me about the book is that there's a Ford by John Tobias. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, but then there's Noob also a Ford by. Uh, there's also a Ford by James Rolfe, the Angry Video Game Nerd. I didn't think that it needed to be in there, but that is just. My opinion. I thought he didn't really play video games. Then that was the whole problem with him. I mean, there. <laughs> I don't even. Oh God, there's so much I want to say about the AVGN. I downloaded uh, his book. He put out a book last year, and okay. I'm very interested about it because um, I know I'm going to hate it. I know I'm going to read this and be like, "This is literary trash." I I'm never... also one of these AVGN people who like. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, but like, there's a subreddit called the Cinemasker Truth, and like, there's a lot of. Different problems. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. I don't necessarily want to get into like this very kind of niche thing about the degradation of the angry video game nerd legacy. Isn't there? There's another person involved with Cinemasker too, right? Well, uh, there's also like there's a uh, Mike Matei, right? Who's also yeah him. Yeah, so he kind of left to go do his own thing. He streams on Twitch. It's kind of depressing. Oh, too bad. He seemed okay. Uh, he there were some racist drawings on the internet oh, that he geez. made. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so this is bad. There's always a dark truth. I wonder when people discover our dark. There's truth, also right? a, maybe like I, I I hold on. I need to Google this. Ah, uh, uh, there we go. Okay, so for a while, people thought that he had posted a picture of his own hog on the Cinemasker subreddit. Uh, but it turns out he just found a picture on the internet and pretended it was his and posted it uh, in response to someone. So he had he had a pet pig, a hog, a hog, yeah, a, his pet 
like pot-bellied pig? Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly okay. what this is. I love yeah. the sanitized podcast that we do here every week. Yeah. Going back to Star Fox, though, that was a mind-blowing game in 1994 when it came out. You were but a small child, weren't you? Yeah, but I still went to Zellers to play the the Star Fox Day, like the Zellers. Demo. That doesn't even exist anymore. I know. Like looking at it now, obviously, it's running at what fifteen frames per second, and yeah. Also, but, just before I forget, Angelo, uh, nineteen ninety three, not nineteen ninety four. Okay, sorry about that. I, I, years kind of like. Mix well, I was gonna all say together. we were doing this because it's the thirtieth anniversary. And I yeah, it's true. And I like today I couldn't remember. Oh, did the Nintendo controller the the, the Super Nintendo controller rumble? And then I realized no, that was invented no. with the N sixty four controller. Yeah, with the rumble, with the rumble pack. pack. Not yeah. even native rumbling. Yeah. Yeah, we did not know the joys of Rumble back then. I thought the video, the Game Boy Game X, I thought all the, the Game Boy demos were super cool, too. That that was running on a Game Boy hardware is incredible. I know, mind-blowing. That, so if you, you don't know what we're talking about, go check out the, the documentary. It's in the show notes. It is great. It's an hour long. And there's a ton of, like, really interesting uh, Amiga, like, just a ton of demo footage there for, like, various projects that the Argonaut developers had worked on prior, during um development of star fox that i was intrigued by yeah and it sort of made me go back and watch the amiga episodes by nostalgia nerd i don't know if you ever watched nostalgia nerd videos they're pretty good and i've been watching a lot of this stuff so it's been all been bubbling up in my algorithm and uh i really enjoy that stuff it's fun to go back and look at old technology I agree. Speaking of uh, going back and looking at, at old technology, I think the first item on the paranormal side of things, we'll touch on that a bit. So, Angela, let us head on over, up to the fence, across, don't get your nether regions caught, and hop on over. If maniacs, zombies, aliens, monsters, and madmen are your line, then try this. Double density. The phone number nightmares are made of. Call 1-900-909-CREEP. Double density. Puts you in touch with the baddest of the bad. And now you can be a double density star. Record your own screaming monster madness. You may be heard by millions of double density fans nationwide. Call now. Under 18, get permission before calling. $2 first minute, 45 cents each additional minute. Double density. Welcome back to Double Density, and as always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So, as I mentioned before, a little bit of nostalgia for your ear holes. So, Angelo, you linked me to something that I'd completely forgotten about, but enjoyed a lot nonetheless. So, you sent me a YouTube link to um, an old Coast to Coast segment starring your friend and mine, Gordon Freeman <laughs> from Half Life. I- well, I heard this on the latest, or is it maybe not the latest episode anymore, but a recent episode of uh, the podcast, Video Game Apocalypse, which I've been listening to for years. And they had asked their listeners to relay them stories of UFOs and things like that, because a couple of weeks ago they had done an episode about UFOs and video games. And somebody sent them in Gordon Freeman calling Coast to Coast. And I thought it was one of the funniest things I've ever heard because I, I, I thought it was Art Bell, but you corrected me because I, I don't know Coast to Coast as well as you do. And it's George Norrie. They had mentioned it was Art Bell as well, so they didn't know either. But no. you, the expert on Coast to Coast, know it's George Norrie. And he was riveted by Gordon Freeman because obviously there's no chance in hell that George Norrie plays Half-Life. He doesn't know what Half-Life is now either. 
He I wonder if anybody's. To- I wonder if anybody's ever told him. Uh, you know, you got pranked with that call, right? He doesn't care. He doesn't care. Okay, because he was really interested. Let me put it this way. Like, there's a difference here, and this is something we'll talk about um, when we eventually get to our Coast to Coast series. There's a difference between um, Art Bell and, and George Norrie, right? So Art Bell is someone who is actually interested in things, right? He, you know, he uh, finds wonder in the paranormal, in strange things, in the non-official narrative, right? Versus George Norrie, first and foremost, is a broadcaster whose show happens to talk about these topics. But more and more as he ages, there's a lot more angel talk, let's just say. So is he is he like a born again Christian or something? No, not even that. I think he's just playing to his audience who has aged out, right? So there are a lot of elder older people who stay up. You know, there's a Friday prayer line sometimes too. Oh, like dear. it's just, it's it's you know it's fall from grace is is remarkable in certain so, ways. So wait, coast to coast still exists? Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't know it still existed. And okay, I keep wondering if I'm making a mistake. Is it correct to call it coast to coast or is it coast to coast AM? It's coast to coast. Correct. It started okay. started out as coast to coast. Okay. Early on, um, in Art Bell's tenure, and then coast to coast AM came to be. And when I first heard it, I thought, "Oh, I I fell into this paranormal episode of this show called Coast to Coast. That's a Colin show." And then I realized, no, it's paranormal all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I say, like ninety ninety percent of the time. Yeah, I'd say. What, 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 they talk about, like, baseball sometimes? What? No, but I mean, like, they talk about, um, they'll have people like Chris Carter from the X-Files on, right? They'll have science fiction writers. They had Willie Nelson on one night. Oh, okay. So there's a, I mean, they discuss paranormal topics, but sometimes, you know, George Corlin's on, you know? So. Okay, okay. There's a a ton of that kind of stuff going on, too. Well, anyway, uh, are we going to drop some of this call into the episode or no? People just click the, click, I'd say click the link. Yeah, exactly. Click the link, and it's like four minutes, I think. So it's a YouTube link. Yeah, go and check it out. And then your YouTube algorithm will be inundated with coast-to-coast stuff. Angelo, let us move to the, the meat and bones of this um, side of things. Let's talk about UFOs. Let's talk about an article entitled, We Have a Real UFO Problem, and It's Not Balloons, by former Navy pilot Ryan Graves. I'd never heard of Ryan Graves, and or if I had, I'd forgotten his name. And he has a podcast, which I have added to my list of podcasts to listen to this week, so I'm going to give it a try. I'm curious about his angle on things. Is Me he... too. So this is, this is a Politico.com article all about how uh, the U.S. P- uh, government needs to publicly um, work harder on ensuring and, you know, kind of making its citizens um, aware, known, and informed about... UAPs, right? So, and we've talked about this before, classic UAP, UFO, little green men, UAP in the modern parlance of things, an actual unknown flying thing that could be either foreign or real foreign as in extraterrestrial. So I think, I feel like because this isn't political, it gives it a bit of gravitas, but it's sort of like a a stealth, no pun intended, way of kind of making people think, oh, this is a political thing because it could be foreign bodies coming to uh you know spy on the u.s but it's like a stealth way of getting people to think about the eth so i'm wondering is ryan graves like an eth guy is that his approach well, he's to kind of things? Just bad. i've read i've read a number of interviews with him in preparing for this and 
he doesn't want to definitively say anything until we have a better grasp of what these things are. I mean, he leaves the door open to say, like, perhaps it is this, but that is one possibility, right? So, and I think that's the smart way of doing things. You and I have discussed um, a ton of diehards who are ride or die about either or, right? Either it is extraterrestrial in origin, an actual physical thing, or, um, and we have discussed this, and I believe that military tech is way further advanced than what civilians have access to. You know, it could be a foreign issue. Because I wonder, with with people like this, the fir- the reason UFOs became so famous was because of Kenneth Arnold, right? Him yeah. spotting the the saucer shaped things in uh, near Mount Rainier, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. And I always thought he was it was just a one off thing. He was some random pilot that saw these things and didn't really know much about the topic. Turns out. He had an interest in UFOs before he saw them and well and became obsessed with them for the rest of his life. I mean, okay, so yes, Kenneth Arnold popularized it. You gotta remember stuff like the Battle of Los Angeles happened in the yeah. early forties, right? In forty two, and that got national headlines too. Yeah, and so that's what I'm saying is that he wasn't just some random guy all of a sudden he got caught up in this because UFOs he saw them. He was interested in the topic and sort of looking for it. So I'm wondering if this guy too, he's a navy pilot, all that stuff is fine, but did he have an interest in UFO did he have an interest in UFOs before he became a pilot? Did he become a pilot because he wanted to see UFOs? I highly doubt that is the case. And as um Grace mentioned in the article, the there's still like a huge stigma attached to quote unquote like official people, be they commercial airline pilots or you know, military pilots of any kind of grade, um, reporting these kinds of incidents publicly. Um, because of the stigma, right? It's all, all this idea of, like, you saw little green men, you're not fit to serve, or, you know, like, there is a lessening of one's stature publicly when they share this information. Well, yeah, Still. because if because if you're making a mistake and and thinking there's a UFO following you, and it turns out it ended up being Venus or some strange alignment of the stars, right? Recently... Was it Jupiter and Venus were in the sky, like, one above the other? And it looked really cool, but also deceived the eyes. So if it's something like that, you don't want to be the pilot that gets caught in an error and not able to be the trained observer you're supposed to be. Yes, I, I agree with you. It's, it's always a fine line, right? But sometimes you see stuff that you really, really cannot explain, things that uh, move around in ways that uh, modern aircraft cannot, or at least, like, publicly available modern aircraft cannot, right? So there's always this notion, this idea there that there is um, the chance for it to be something extraordinary. Well, I see something I can't explain, and it's this the photo on this article in Politico. Why... Did they take a picture of the computer screen instead of just giving us the image he took? So this is a picture taken during one of the congressional hearings. Okay. I just think it looks really weird. I agree. And there's an orb flying in it, too. (laughs) Right. (laughs) A J.J. Abrams style lens flare. Yeah. So I just thought that was kind of odd that they took a weird picture like that. At least give us the context of showing the people in Congress looking at it or something. Yeah. It, it just seemed odd to me. It looked like just somebody took a picture of their screen, which is something I get sometimes when people send me documents. Is they I say, send me a screenshot, and they literally take a picture of their computer. Huge surprise there, unfortunately. Yeah. Print screen or Command Shift 4, right? Yeah. That's my favorite one. But command Shift 4? 
Yeah, Command Shift 4. I use it all the time, actually. Same. When I'm making fun of you, I usually Command Shift 4, and I send yes, it to everyone in public. I know, I, and I don't follow you on Twitter. So if I do follow you, I don't just go. I don't go on Twitter. No, you're not a, a Twitter visitor. Speaking of Twitter, has this article taken hold of UFO Twitter? I mean, it's it's kind of in the maelstrom of of things, right? There's always this consistent kind of discussion going on, making the rounds. Because um, so it has popped since up. 2017, up. right? UFO Twitter has been a buzz because of the whole. Uh, Leslie Kane and uh, Luis Elizondo article and all that stuff, right? Yeah. And uh, to me, Ryan Graves ha- holds much higher esteem in my eyes than someone like a Luis Elizondo because this guy lived it and he felt the need to to come on and talk about this. But let us talk about something else that I, um, you know, I'm always in the back of my head. What if this is a psyop, Angelo? You think he's some sort of um, plant? Because he, he he's very lucid in his writing. No, for sure. It's, I just it's more well like, written. Let's, let's, no, but it's like that's what I'm saying. He's 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 almost too good, Brian. Let us go down the, the rabbit hole, right? And of course, you and I don't advocate this line of thinking. Uh, advocate for this line of thinking, I should say. But the, these are things that you know exist in our heads. And um, ever the skeptic, I'm always just trying to figure out if you know this may be um, drip disclosure. Right, and I know that that Ryan Grace has gone on on numerous things, and he uh, the reason he's written this article is because he uh, has announced the launch of the Americans for Space, Safe Aerospace uh, nonprofit, where people are coming together, political and not, in order to ask the government um, uh, for some kind of mechanism to publicly let people know what's going on, um, and demanding a level of transparency from the government that we're currently not getting. Right, so this is the United States, obviously. I think this is great because whatever the reality of it is, all the possibilities are sort of problematic, right? The the pilots are seeing things, right? That would be bad. It's not likely, though. Uh, in terms of, right, pilots have all of a sudden started losing their minds. That would be bad. Um, it's It's random, but, like, not unsafe objects so just random floating balloons which isn't good either because all the all of a sudden these things are floating around um they're objects that are interfering with the military so that's not good also what if the u.s is hiding their own research from themselves right because that's one of the things he mentioned in the article is that there is no known u.s military device that could be doing what these things no of course and that doing. is something I've, I've we've discussed many times right there are all these um black budget initiatives and obviously post 9-11 it's a lot easier to reappropriate a lot of money remember that there was that pentagon report where like there was like billions of dollars yeah you know? yeah mm-hmm. and and look there's other uh, possibilities here too that are even worse right it's foreign bad actors there we go I guess, trying- this is from last year Pentagon is still missing $220 billion in military gear, gear given up to defense contractors. So just imagine, that's just known equipment, right? And I'd imagine uh, parts of this budget are probably bifurcated for, you know, uh, black market stuff. Or, sorry, uh, black black book stuff. Yeah, black market would be bad. Uh, yeah, but then that's it, right? They're, they're, and Or it could be foreign assets entering u.s airspace which is or north american airspace actually which is not good or worst of all it could be non-humans which would be the end of us all (laughs) or the beginning of us all right i i want to believe that that is the case because the if (sighs) all right so let's follow the eth the extraterrestrial hypothesis if that were the case they would have just blown us up already let's be honest here that's true. They could be the benevolent, the benevolent space brothers we always talked about <laughs> in the eighties to disarm nuclear bombs and all that stuff. Yeah, right? exactly. That we're going to be protecting us from ourselves. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I wonder 
which of these options it um, I feel like the options I laid out here it has to be one of them. Yeah. I mean this this isn't just a bunch of hobbyists out there just, you know, breaking the sound barrier or making objects move in no. non-traditional ways just for kicks, right? Like or yeah, or let's hope it's not defective uh, tracking equipment well, that would uh, be that's really interesting. bad too uh, that is something that ryan graves also mentioned in the article is, is the the ghost of the machine kind of software glitch issues which i found very yeah. interesting and something we may have talked about in the past but not really because that's uh one of the skeptical points of view is that it could definitely be just software errors in what the uh, the pilots are seeing in their, their instruments because a lot of the times they haven't seen these with their own eyes, correct? They've seen this only some on have, radar. And some have seen them in the instrumentation. Okay, okay. So there's, yeah, a, so there's I, a mix of both visual confirmation as well as as um, confirmation from their instruments. Yeah, like the one out over the ocean with the Nimitz it went into the ocean, didn't it? And it came did, out it of the sure ocean. Did. We yeah. saw it, and there was a video, a very blurry video of that. So it's intraterrestrials. That's what. That so point. if anything, I think we, you know, the two hundred twenty billion dollars missing from the Pentagon should just be reinvested in better camera equipment. Let's be honest here. I mean, look, I watched the latest Black Panther. There could be Atlanteans that are pissed <laughs> off with us. <laughs> that is one way of doing it, right? And, uh, you know, Riri, uh, uh, right? Riri uh, Williams, Lionheart in that movie, right? She designed her own suit of armor. You know, we don't live in that world where people can design their own suits of armor and fly around and uh, do whatever they want whenever they want. We have no vibranium. In, well, uh, not yet, right? Until our, we dig down Earth. and talk to the mole people at the center of the Earth. I think that's, that's kind of... We're like the boring part of the multiverse. <laughs> no superheroes here it's true just a, a bunch of like normal normal people yeah i don't know it's an interesting question you and i always ponder about these things and i i find this interesting that you know someone's coming out and asking for accountability both uh, and I, I love the either or right either we need to know if it's non-terrestrial in order to prepare a response for it or we uh, it is terrestrial we need to understand the science yeah especially if it's uh people that don't have the world's best intentions at heart Mm, I love that idea of uh, the classic, you know, the classic Middle Eastern 90s uh, movie villain trope just extended to the 21st century. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't think and it's by Russia. Love it, I mean, hate it. Yeah. And, and, by, and, and I don't think it's Russia because they probably would have used this at this point during the, since they've been at war for a year. Well, I mean, and, also, like, you got to remember Russia, uh, like, uh, there's a lot of duct tape and hope. Yeah. I mean, look, just look at Chernobyl. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, so on my end, I have uh, no idea. I mean, I'm willing to entertain that, you know, and you, what is the worst part? It's not necessarily if it's, you know, extra thresholds. What if it's a mixture of things, right? What if it's some foreign tech, some, you know, non-terrestrial tech? And before anybody corrects me, I do realize Chernobyl was in, in Ukraine, uh, but it was part of the Soviet Union. And that's the, still the same attitude that it seems to be going on in Russia at this point. Duct tape, sticks, and hope. Hope, exactly. And that is why they uh, are not doing so well in their uh, prolonged war against Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, You're crying. It's okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I just, the, the world sometimes seems like a terrible place. I agree. But then we think about UFOs and we get all excited, right? Very much so. Speaking of UFOs, I guess this is a good place to sort of uh, sum things up about what we're going to do the next couple weeks. You and I are going to be guest hosting an episode of Our Strange Guys. Um, we're recording towards the end of the month, and I think it should be out sometime early april it imagines that's number one and you and i have figured out a topic um people who know double density will probably realize what the topic is all about so if you want to hear a well-researched all paranormal episode of double density 
you will be able to do so on the R Strange Guys uh, yeah, feed. I was say, Rob, don't listen Rob's, to Double Density. <laughs> exactly. Rob's looking to take a week off, and we'd be more than happy to, to, to fill in. Also, we're going to, I hope, Angelo, sometime soon, do House of Leaves. I don't know. You tell me. I have to buy it. I, I went to the bookstore on Tuesday when we went to the movies. Uh, it's near a bookstore, and I could not find it in the bookstore, so I will probably have to order it uh, from the Amazon Rainforest. Perfect. And then finally, we'll be starting. I think I'm looking at April now um, to start our Coast to Coast AM uh, monthly series because it involves a, a bit of, of putting things together in clips and things like that. But have no fear. We're on our way. We'll just need to figure a little bit of that. And Angela, I feel like this is a good place to end episode 217 of the Double Density Podcast. What do you think? I think it's good. And I feel like all the form submissions are really keeping us going. So keep them coming. Keep them we- coming. DoubleDensity.net. Go ahead and click on the form. Submission And I do look forward to somebody sending, well, it's okay, or somebody can send us an MP3, and we'll listen to it, but that you'll have to send to the email address Brian loves so much, which is what, Brian? (laughs) You forgot already. It's doubledensitypodcast at gmail.com, and then you can also find me on Twitter. I'm still over on Twitter, Brian Hasty, Brian with an I. Angelo is not on Twitter. Angelo is not on Instagram. Angelo is not on Facebook. Angelo is just sometimes on Mastodon. Sometimes, and not even. I, I don't really post much on there. I was complaining about how, uh, I think I mentioned this on the episode last week or the week before that, but how my son has been able to finish Hollow Knight and I cannot get anywhere in that game. I don't know what that has to do with Mastodon, the social networking site, but that is fine. Uh, well, no, because that's something I posted on Mastodon. Oh, I see. You're trying to close the loop on Mastodon by talking yes. about video game yeah. woes. Yeah. Uh, okay, I see, I see. <sighs> All right, well, I feel like it is a great time to end things right here. Angela, thank you for being a co-host, a benefactor, a confederate, as it were. And uh, everyone else can tune in next episode slash next week as we go deeper and deeper into the idea of UAPs by um, joining forces and turning Angela's super back into a flying car. If anyone wants to join us, email us, doubledensitypodcast.gmail.com. We'd be more than happy to add you to the crew list. Um, Chances of things blowing up. I'd say like 80%, right? And it's funny I mentioned that, actually. I read, um, so Grady Hendrix, the guy who wrote My Best Friend's Exorcism, actually has a book called Bad Astronauts, One Word, which is kind of about building a homemade rocket. Um, so it's a lot of fun to read. It's a novella. And Sounds it made safe. me uh, think of that. It, it, no, it was not safe. But okay. all that being said, it was a fun ride, fun read, and I'm hoping it's the same thing when you and I get together and put some duct tape on your outback. Angelo, I will see you there, my friend. See ya. <laughs>